Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Today we are beginning a series that's actually not new, a series called The Blessed Life. This is a series that I cannot take credit for writing, although we have adapted it um, to fit our church Um, It's actually a series that we did several years ago in our church in the early days of Encounter, back when we were meeting at Arsenal uh, Middle School in the auditorium there. Um, And the reason you might be asking, why are we doing a series that we've done before? Well, um, I would say a couple things. One, the first time that I heard this message series, it changed Heather and I's life. Um, it was powerful, the, the content in it, but uh, not only the content, but the, just the principles of Scripture and how they were described unlocked something in our heart that has dramatically changed the way that we live our lives. And then the last time when we taught it at our church, the same thing took place for many people in our church and has impacted them. And I'm believing the same for each of us today. And so I'm excited to, uh, to teach this, this series called The Blessed Life. Um, And so we're going to be doing that beginning today and throughout the rest of the month. Um, How many of you would say that at some point in your life, God has blessed you? Let me see your hand. Okay, so almost everybody in the room. Um, How many of you would like to be more blessed? I mean, no brainer, right? So I want to make sure that we're all talking about the same thing because I think it's important for us to know what we're talking about when we say the word blessed. Um, because, And we'll talk a little bit about what a lot of times people think of it as, but here's what we're saying today, and I believe it'll be on the screen as well. When we say that we are blessed, what we're really saying is, is that a blessing is experiencing the divine presence of God everywhere I go. And so what it means is like seeing divine coincidences, what seem like coincidences as God going before us to bless us, okay? So what that means is essentially some people would say like the favor of God, right? Um, that, that the idea of uh, imagine like we are a part of God's entourage because he is the king, right? And so now because we're a part of his group, his posse, that what the king gets to do, we get the benefits of that, right? That's the idea of blessing that we're talking about, is that because we are God's kids, because we're his children, there's a certain level of uh, authority, a certain level of his favor, his working in our lives that accompanies us when we are along with him. That's what we're talking about with blessing, the divine presence of God everywhere we go. And so if that's the case, I think many of us in the room, most of us in the room would say, I would like to be even more blessed than I am today. And so how do we do that? One of the keys that we see in scripture that talks about blessing particularly and how to ensure that we are being blessed comes out of Acts 20 verse 35. This is one of the key scriptures that will kind of follow us throughout. We're going to read it here. This is the words of Jesus as told by one of the disciples saying that this is what Jesus said. He said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Um, It's actually more blessed for us, right? So Jesus was saying this, that most of us think that blessing is what I get, right? I'm blessed because I have a nice TV. I'm blessed because I live in a nice neighborhood. I have a nice house. I live in this, uh, with this car. Uh, I've got these clothes. I have a great family, right? I mean, all of us have said that at some point in our life. I'm blessed, right? Um, but all of those kinds of things, if I could get a little, just little, little um, 
I don't know what the right word is, maybe just if I'm going to step on a little bit of toes or just be a little bit blunt, the things that I talked about that we tend to think about that are blessing is like white America. That's the idea of that, right? Like the, the things that we have, but by that definition, the people who don't have the nice cars, don't have the nice houses, don't have good jobs, don't have the great relationships, does that mean that they're not blessed? Right? So people of color in our nation or around the world who don't have the things that Americans have, does that mean that they're not blessed? And so do you see the problem, right, with the concept of blessing being something we have versus something that we are, okay? And so that's why Jesus was saying in Scripture, and we're going to see it all throughout today, that blessing is not about what I have. Blessing instead is the presence of God with us in our lives affecting our circumstances around us, okay? So I just wanted to, to hit that today. And so for us, in order for us to understand blessing and to really receive God's blessing, one of the key elements of that is what Jesus said, is that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So us becoming a generous people ultimately will bring God's blessing in our lives more so. And there is not a single person in my life that I think exemplifies generosity or giving more than my own mom. My, wife, my, my mom's name is Sandy, and uh, she is probably, I would think if you did a survey of most of the people that I know in my life and asked them who's the most generous person uh, they, they know, they might say my mom. She is the most giving person that I know. She um, is constantly giving of her time, constantly giving of her energy and giving of her heart. She gives financially any time that she can, even when she doesn't have much to give. If she sees a need in someone's life, uh, her kids or a friend or a coworker or a stranger, my mom will find a way to help that person and to give to them, never asking for more in return. My mom loves to to give. And so what I would say to you is this concept of, of it is more blessed to give than to receive is lived out in my mom. And here's how I would say that. I know that the presence of God is like actively, is active in my mom's life because she is never in lack. She has uh, every time that there is ever a need when she is given something maybe that would pull her into the negative, there's always made up. It's always available. God has always shown up in her life. She's, she's been the recipient of, of so many different divine coincidences, if you will, of God showing up in her life um, in kindness or when she thought that things weren't going to go the way that, that she hoped or when she was worried that something was going to happen. God has always taken care of her. And she's been filled with joy. My mom gives, but she loves to see the, the, the faces on people when she gives to them. Sometimes she likes to give in secret or to take care of someone and make sure that they don't know about it. And she loves to see their faces light up when, 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 she, when she takes care of and she meets a need. My mom is full of the joy of the Lord. And what happens is for us is that when we catch that same concept of when we truly believe that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, when we become people who love to live in generous generosity, not just in our finances, but in every area of our life, when we become these people, we actually get to see our heart becomes overflowing with joy when we see other people receive. And so it is truly more blessed to give than it is to receive. And if you have ever gone out of your way, to help someone, you've given something out of a heart of generosity, you know what I'm talking about, that thrill that goes inside, right, that when you see that person who was in need now receive 
in their face of appreciation, if we as believers could internalize this truth that God and his blessing comes into our lives as we live out of generosity, it will be unquestionably life-changing to realize it is more blessed to give than to receive. So if you're taking notes, write this down today. This is our big idea of this message, and we'll kind of follow us through this series in different forms, but write this down. The key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity. The key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity in all areas of our life. We're going to explore that a little bit today. If you want to be more blessed in your life, you will be more blessed when you become more generous. Let's look at what it says in Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. And another person withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. One person gives freely, yet gains even more, and another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. This is backwards from the way that we would normally think, right? According to our normal standards, if I give and give and give and give, I will have less in my bank account. And the person who keeps, who says, I'm going to keep all of this, should have more. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture teaches us that, that when a person gives freely, they will have more. And the person who withholds unduly. Now, this is where I want to pause for a quick second because we're not saying that every time there's an opportunity, you must give. What it's saying is, is for somebody who, who withholds unduly, like if you had the opportunity to give and you should have given, maybe the Lord prompted your heart to give. And again, we're not just talking financially. We're talking with your time or your energy or your efforts or your passion or your skills or your talents, whatever it might be, if you have the opportunity and withhold. It says that person will come to poverty. Now, verse 25 continues and tells us about what kind of person will prosper. It says a generous person will prosper. A generous person. And whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. There is a clear principle that we see at work here. The key to a blessed life is always a generous heart. But then we see in another passage of Scripture that illustrates this too. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 6 through 8, and then verse 11, it says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Any farmer would understand this. And this is who Jesus was talking to. This is uh, the, the, who Paul was talking to, people who understood agricultural uh, culture, right? Is that any farmer will understand that if you plant a few seeds, you're only going to get a few crops. If you want to have a, plant a lot of seeds, you can expect a large harvest. It goes on to say in verse 7, each one of you, every one of us, myself included, should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Again, like that, that withholding unduly thing, like this is not a compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, you guys have probably heard that before. God loves a cheerful giver. Well, the Greek word there actually means hilarious. Hilarious. So it's like, like the person, God loves a hilarious giver. What is a hilarious giver like? That's somebody who just is so full of joy that they give, and it's like, it's just wonderful. It's awesome. You're laughing. Have you ever just laughed in goodness? Like, it's just things are good, and they're okay, and you're just bubbling up with just, it's fun, right? That's what God's talking about. He, he loves a person who just, 
who just loves to see the fruit of their effort. A person who gives the money to, to a church or to a person in need, and they do it in such a way that they're just filled with joy because they know that God is going to do something great with it. The person who, who, who serves at the homeless ministry or, or, or gives them their time on a Sunday morning or, or goes and helps a friend move, right? And they love to do it rather than the, oh, it's a Saturday morning and i got to get up. But instead, like the person who just is overwhelmed with joy because they're giving and they have an opportunity to serve, God loves that, he says. In fact, in the Old Testament, they used to have parties and feasts around giving offerings to God. Most of the festivals that would take place um, that God commanded his people were around bringing all of the harvest time, bringing their first fruits, the things from the harvest to the temple or to the synagogue where they were at, and they would bring them along and they would give them to God as an offering and then they would have a big party and a big celebration. They would dance before the temple. They would sing songs of worship. They would eat together and people for days, like two, three, sometimes seven days, they would actually just be there. They would take a week off of work, travel to Jerusalem at the temple, and have a huge party for a week, and it was centered around giving to God. Could you imagine being so blessed in our lives that we throw parties because God has blessed us and he's enabled us to give? God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a hilarious giver. So verse 8 continues, and this is the blessed life right here, okay? So on the other side of generosity, so in order for the blessed life to take place, it always starts with a heart of generosity. On the other side of generosity, here are the blessings that are promised to each one of us. Verse 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in, look at the words here, all things at sometimes, all times, Having some of what? No, having all of that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's pretty emphatic, right? Pretty emphatic here. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's pause there for a second. Again, we're not talking about televisions. We're not talking about cars. We're not talking about paychecks. What we're talking about is God's presence being saturating your life. Like imagine walking with a spotlight on you everywhere you go, and that spotlight has the ability to transform every circumstance that you are in. That's what we're talking about, meaning for blessing. It doesn't mean that if I, because I gave to the church or I gave to a missionary or anything like that, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden now I'm going to get a check in the mail. It could, because that's who God is, but what it means is that when I go to work and I'm worried about my performance review and my boss has not been on my side, that God can change the heart of the person in front of you. That's what blessing means. That's what favor means. That's what means, it could mean a lower interest rate on a car loan. It could mean that a relationship gets restored with a, with a child or with, a, with a, a coworker or a neighbor that has been estranged for a long time. The presence of God operating in and around us is what blessing means. All times, in all things, God is able to do that so that you will abound, that you will be successful, that you will have God paving the way through a mountain in front of you in every good work. And then in verse 11, it says this, you will be enriched in every way. Enriched, like that means that God's going to speak things into your life. He's going to show you, you know what, in this area, you're weak, you're tired, you're, you're small, you're, you're, you're not mature, you're lacking. I want to enrich you, I want to strengthen you, I want to grow something in your life so that you can be generous 
on every occasion. That's weird. God's going to bless me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to give me. Why? Not just so I can be like, oh, thank you, God, that's good, because that's our tendency, right? Our tendency is that God sends you a check in the mail. Our tendency is that God gives you a promotion at work. Our tendency is whatever, that all the things that we do acquire, that we just generally keep them. That's our tendency. But what God is saying is, is you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And watch this. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Not just your finances, folks. If you limit the blessings of God to finances, you are way underestimating the blessings of God. And verse 11 makes it clear. You were made rich in your relationships. You were made rich in your finances. You were made rich in your physical body, not just to enjoy it for yourself, but so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through it, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, I want to ask this question. This is a hard question for me. So my mom, right? We talked about my mom. If you were to say, who do I thank God in my life for their generosity? I would thank God for my mom. I thank God for my mother and her generosity, right? Does anybody thank you or me? That's a challenge for me. Am I generous enough that people go, I thank God for Jared's generosity, That's hard. That's really hard. And yet, we're called to that. We're called to that. Imagine your heart of generosity growing so much that there are people around your community, around the world, that thank God because of you and because of us as a church for our generosity. I know that there are are missionaries out there who do thank us, our church, if you will. Aaron and Susie Hoover thank us for our partnership with them in Greece, right? I know that Peter and Courtney Good in Thessaloniki thank us for our generosity and how we've supported them. I know that there are pastors around the country that our church has gone towards helping plant and start other churches who have thanked us either directly or indirectly. This morning alone, I got a, a, a video message from a pastor friend of mine in Kenosha, Wisconsin, thanking me for my service at our church because he knows the value of what we do here. Right? So, so, but on a personal level and on a church level, how much more, how beautiful is it when people would say, I thank God for you? Because what it does is it points the way to the one that we get our generosity from. They see the heart of God in that respect. So the question I would ask is this. Why are more people not generous? And why are not more people blessed? Well, the answer is because too many people have what I would call a bag mindset. A bag mindset. There are three mindsets that I want to talk about here as we kind of round third base here. Mindsets that I think will help us understand why we are not generous, but how God wants us to be, who he's calling us to be. The first is a bag mindset. And this is kind of like the idea of not enough. I don't have enough. I never have enough. I would like to give. I would like to be generous, but I'd never have enough. Haggai, in the Old Testament, chapter 1, verse 6, kind of illustrates this. It says, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is the idea, right? Is that every week, every month, every paycheck, we fill our bag with our income, 
but it never seems like there's enough. It seems like there's holes in it, right? I've always, you ever seen that meme of the, of the, the cat underneath the dresser and then the paycheck, and then as soon as it gets there, the cat reaches out and pulls the paycheck in? Like, I get that idea. It's, this, it's a funny meme, but some of us live in this mindset. This world that there is never enough. No matter how much I get, it's always gone. My transmission always breaks. My water heater is always out, right? Like, some of us live in this mindset that I will never have enough. I will never get like through. No, I can't be generous. I want to give. I want to be a generous person, but I don't have enough. And it could be, again, not just our finances. I'm so busy. I can't serve. I can't, I can't go to this outreach. I can't, you know, spend time with family members or friends, whatever. All of us, like this concept of like the bag mindset of I'm constantly filling it, but it's never enough because it's going out. I used to live in this. I grew up that way. And this is not to any fault of my, my own or to my parents. I mean, because my mom is the most generous person that I know. But as a kid, I somehow equated blessing in my life was the things that I didn't have. I grew up in a, in a church family where we didn't have a lot of money. And so I, would, I grew up in a home uh, or in a neighborhood where people were driving BMWs to school. And so I would get to school and I would pull up in a little rickety, you know, Honda Accord that, you know, was kind of making weird noises. And, and I felt like a person who wasn't valuable. But most of that was because I thought the blessing was based on monetary or material things instead of who I was. And so I grew up feeling like I never had enough. And because of that, I started getting into credit card problems. And then that, that spiraled out of control into interest rate problems because I couldn't pay my bills because the, 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 I didn't have enough money to, to pay for the thing in the first place, right? This is the cycle that people fall into. You think that you need more. I don't have enough. So I'm spending money on things that I don't have and ended up getting into a whole world of problems. And of course, I don't have enough because now I have spent everything that I have and more and I owe to other people. We see Judas in the Bible, in the New Testament, kind of acted out of this bag mentality. There was a woman who, who was sitting with Jesus, and she had a bottle of perfume that was worth one, a, a, day, a year's worth wages. So imagine what you make. It could be 30000 it could be 100000 I don't know. Whatever you make in a year, imagine having one item that is worth that and opening it up and pouring it out on Jesus, okay? Essentially as an offering. And theologically, we know that, that she was actually anointing Jesus for his burial. It's this beautiful moment that we could talk about another time. But she pours it out on him, and Jesus said, this is beautiful, this is wonderful. He affirmed her offering, her gift, her generous gift. And Judas comes in and goes, I can't believe you did that. We could have taken that money. We could have used it for something else. That's what Judas says, right? Because Judas had a bag mentality, and he betrayed Jesus ultimately because of it for 30 pieces of silver. We do the same thing today as church people all across America. Did you know that giving is down like all over the country? Giving. I'm not even just talking tithing. Like it used to be that you could, that you could um, estimate the average church giving was like 3%. So if the tithe is 10%, that was the generally understood concept of that, that as a church, we tithe out of our income and give back to God, which we'll talk a little bit about that stuff later in the series. It's like way below that now. Because as Americans, generally speaking, we have become a people that don't see the value of generosity. Instead, we feel like security is built around what we have in front of us, the numbers that we can see in our bank account or on our spreadsheets. But that's not what God has called us to be. And a lot of us, personally, a lot of us around the world and in this church are stuck in that mentality. But God's calling us to a different mentality, and that is the basket mentality, which is if the bag mentality is that we don't have enough, the basket mentality is more than enough. And here's what this is. This is the person 
who believes that God is abundant and that God in his abundance will always provide what we need and more than that. That he was always enough. That what I have is more than enough, not because of my hands or my ability to manipulate a budget, but that God is abundant. And because of that, we can give freely. This is where God wants us to be. Let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Like as in, like I have a basket in my hand and I put stuff in it, but I want to get more in it. So I shake it and push it down like the laundry basket at home, right? Like, oh man, I don't want to make two trips down to the laundry room. So what am I going to do? I'm going to stack as much as I possibly can in the laundry basket, shake it, foot it, push it down, like put another basket on top of it and walk downstairs, right? That's what Jesus is saying. For the measure that we use, it will be measured to you. Now, what's Jesus doing here? Again, he's teaching to farmers, okay? And what would happen is that uh, once there was enough to be harvested in the fields, there, the worker, the master of the property would hire people to go out and fill baskets with the harvest. Now, there were two different types of people. There were the day laborers, the people who were paid to go, right? And so what they did is they, they were paid to fill the baskets, but they didn't want to work very hard. And so they wouldn't fill the basket up all the way. They would just do enough to get their paycheck and they would go home. But there was a second group of people. These are the poor workers, the people who were so glad to have a job at all. They were recipients of the master's benevolence that they were said, hey, you need a job, come on in. Those people would fill the basket as far as possible, one, so that they could keep their jobs. And two, because what would happen is, is that at the end of the day, whatever was pressed over and running over the top, they would actually get to take home, okay? So what we see here in this concept, the basket mentality, is believing that God is a God who is going to give us what we need. And if we are generous people, what will happen is is that from the overflow of who God is, he will bless other people through us if we're willing to see him as our provider, not as uh, our paycheck or a job as the people who provide for us. The basket mentality is the person who says, I know that God has given me this basket and he is filling it up and I can give to other people because he's just going to keep pouring into it. This is a way different mind shift away from the bag. The idea that whatever God gives me, I never have enough. And, and if you live in this space, it is hard to get out of it and it takes a move of God in your mind. A one of faith, to be honest, you have to say, do I believe that God is my provider? And if I feel prompted to do this, if I feel called to give, if I feel like this is what I'm commanded to do in Scripture, as I do it, even when I'm worried I might not have a full basket, trusting that God is my provider, the abundant one, will provide more than enough so that when I do give, he will always make sure that I have enough. And my mom lives out of this world, and I have begun to live out of this world, and I see him operating in my life in that way. This is the kind of God that we serve, the God of abundance. And when we are faithful with what's in our bag, he can trust more with us. And as we are faithful, God may give us more materially, he might, but also in so many other ways that our baskets are overflowing. When one man gives freely, he will receive even more. And when one withholds unduly, he comes to poverty. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that God would stretch your faith out of the bag mindset and into the basket mindset, a heart of generosity that would grow within each one of us and that we would all give to whatever is needed whenever we see it, trusting that God will replace with even more. And we'll close with this, that there is even one more mindset, an even bigger mindset. You're thinking, that's a pretty big mindset. That's crazy. And this one is called the barn mindset. So the bag mindset is that I don't have enough. The, the basket mindset is that I have more than enough because my God will provide, and so he will take care of me and others around me. But the barn means infinitely more, like that it's so full. And this one is crazy because I'm not here yet. If I could be honest with you, I am not living into this space, okay? But this is what it means, is that God is infinitely more than enough. That if we're faithful with our bag, and then we're faithful with the basket, and one day God might give you a barn that might overflow. Releasing, this is like releasing large portions of income to become even more generous. There are people that I know, that I know personally, and there are people that I know uh, indirectly from stories of people who give up to 50% or more of their income away. And yet somehow they have everything that they need. And these are not all rich people that you would think by definition, but these are businessmen and women who, who would literally believe that God created their business in order to use it to bless other people. People who use the profits out of their business specifically to do that. People who give away their cars. People who give away houses. This is crazy generosity. And yet, every time, God always replaces and gives them what they need. And he uses those stories in such a way to challenge people like you and me who are like, I ain't giving away my car. I need that car, right? And in some ways, I thank God. I'm like, thank you, God, for not asking me to give away my car because I'd probably disobey you. Like, that's how I feel, if I'm honest with you guys, right? Like, this is reality. I mean, Deuteronomy 28.8 says, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. We see this in Joseph, in Abraham's uh, nephew, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, grandson, I think. Okay, so... So Joseph was the, was the 11th son who got sold into slavery. He went from the pit to prison to a palace, and ultimately he was able to feed all of Egypt because of his faithfulness to God. God wants to use me, and he wants to use you. He wants to use our church to bless many people because our barns will be overflowing. Now, if you're like, I don't have a barn, and it's not overflowing, you start with your basket, right? You start with the bag that you have. I have people all the time. I have had people in our ministry have come to me and they say, Pastor, I, 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 can't, I can't give 10% of my income. I don't have that. And I would say, can you start with one? Can you start with anything? What do you feel like God is saying to you? I'm not going to give you a number. I'm not going to give you a percentage. What I'm going to say is you need to go to God, examine his word, and listen, God, what is it that, what is it that you're calling me to give? And, and if the number or the percentage or the concept feels stretching to you, hang in there. Because I believe that what that is, is the Holy Spirit calling you to an area of growth. And I have been here. God wants us to be more than just tithers, but to be exceedingly generous everywhere. And if anybody is in the room today, and I just want to kind of say this thing here, is if you're like, I don't know that God calls people to tithe. I don't know that that's a command in scripture. Like 10%, right? The, the disciples, 
the apostles and the Christians meeting in homes, they didn't give 10%, they gave everything. 100%, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, that they gave everything they had. They sold their houses so that people would have. So if you're griping, myself included, about 10% of income or any kind of giving, then we're so far off from the mark that God is calling us to be lavishly generous people. And I thank God for his grace because I'm not there. But it's still where he's calling us to be. So here's the thing. God wants to know how much he can bless you with. Are you going to be a bad person? I don't ever have enough. Are you going to be a basket person? A funnel that lets the overflow be a blessing to other people? Or will we strive to be barn people? This stuff isn't for me. None of it is for me. And I will give generously. I will give freely. Let's finish with this. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little, that's the bag, can also be trusted with much, what's in the barn. And whoever is dishonest with very little, the bag, will also be dishonest with much. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, he said, who will trust you with the riches? Who will trust you in the blessed life? How, how can God give us blessing if we will mishandle our finances? How can God bless us if we're going to mishandle the relationships that he restores and he heals? How can God bless our physical bodies if we're just going to treat it and, and, and damage it? I, that, this is a hard lesson, right? But it, there's truth there. So where does this start? Proverbs 3 9 and 10, we'll close here. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And I want to again harp on this. Let's call first fruits not just our paycheck. Honor them with your wife. Honor God with your children. Honor God with your friendships, with your house. Honor God with your job. Honor God with anything that he has given you, provided you, and give him first. Say, God, I will use my home for you. I will use my relationships for you. I will use my paychecks for you. I will give you first choice of whatever you have provided. And trusting that our barns will be overflowed, that his presence will flow in our lives. So I encourage you to be generous because the heart of God the heart of the blessed life flows out of a generous heart. And that's because that's who God is. God is a generous God. He gave his son. He gives without receiving back. That's scripture. It says it. God gives freely without asking in return. He asks the same for us so that other people would thank God for us. And so I do encourage you to give at Encounter Church. I encourage you to give of your time in, in ministries around the country and to serve here. I encourage you to, to, to encourage uh, other, other people in other countries like missionaries. I encourage you to rekindle relationships uh, of people in your family or your coworkers, your neighbors who maybe are far off and God is calling you to, to know them, to give of your time and your energy in those spaces. Ultimately, I just encourage you to, to ask God, God, with everything that I have, with my time, my energy, my resources, how would you like me to use them? And watch as you begin to step into those spaces, watch God begin to, to be in your, in your life. Watch his presence be walking with you and you'll see your circumstances begin to shift and to change piece by piece, little by little. And you'll 
years from now, perhaps, like Heather and I will say, we live the blessed life. I do. I live the blessed life. God is before me, and I never have to worry because I know his presence is with me. Let's pray. God, this, um, this, is, this is challenging stuff. You are an awesome God. And everything that you do seems to be the opposite of what the world around us prescribes. And yet, I have lived it. If I just trust you enough personally, if I could lay my life you know, before, do I fail? Do I mess up? Do I screw up? Yes, of course I do. But when I have put these principles into play, when I have aligned myself with what your word teaches, when I have tried to, to say, I believe that what you said is true in your word, even though I can't see it and it doesn't make sense, I have seen you show up. I have seen you be true to your word. I have seen you abundantly bless my relationships with my wife and my kids and those around me. I have seen your favor at work and giving me promotions quickly. God, I have seen you make up the lack in my own finances, God, time and time again. I have seen you move move in relationships and in lives and restoring things. God, I've seen it so many times. And it starts with a place of just aligning with your principles, God. I pray that for each person in the room today, that as hard as this might be to hear, that God, you would stamp it as true. That no matter what, you know, frustration arises, no matter what arguments arise, no matter what personal feeling arise, that there would be something that they cannot get away from that says what was spoken today is from the word of God and is true. And God, from that place, I pray that you, not me, that your Holy Spirit would prompt and would begin to change hearts. God, just like it did for me years ago, I remember hearing these messages and it just changed things. Something changed. And I pray now in the name of Jesus Christ, the same thing would be true for them. And I thank you for it, God. Let us, let us thank you for your generosity. Help us to become people who are generous with everything we have. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our service with communion together. You should have them on your chairs. I'm just going to take another quick moment. I know we're running behind today. So I usually try to find a way to tie in communion with the sermon. And it's so easy to do, to be honest, because everything that we teach is really centered around Jesus Christ. Everything is possible because of his death and his resurrection. And so... The Bible tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was having a, a special meal. He was celebrating one of those dinner festivals we were talking about, right? The Passover. And, uh, and he was having dinner with his friends, his disciples, and they were about to have this ritual dinner. And he took a piece of bread and he broke it and he passed it along to each of them and said, take this and eat it. And he said, for as you do, do it in remembrance of me. And so throughout the centuries, since Jesus Christ's death and his resurrection and his ascension, the church of Jesus Christ has been doing communion and has been remembering him. And so when we eat this bread and we eat it and we take it in and we ingest it, what we're doing is not just eating some wafer, really we're we're saying to him, I identify with you. I remember what you've done. I remember your body broken for me so that my, my body doesn't have to be broken, so that I could be made whole. And so as we eat now, let's just stop and let's pause and let's thank him for his forgiveness. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his sacrifice. Let's eat together. Jesus, I thank you for your generous 
willingness to take a beating. You didn't just get a slap on the face. You didn't just, you know, get beaten up. You got nailed. You got pierced. You had your beard ripped out of your face. You had so many things. You did it generously. Everything you did was with a generous heart. Thank you, God. It goes on to say, I took a cup and he passed it along. He took a drink of it and gave it to each of them. He said, take this and drink for this cup symbolizes my blood, the new covenant. In this moment, the moment that Jesus Christ died on the cross, his blood poured out of his life symbolically covers our sin. It literally comes over and takes away the sin of the world and allows us to, every time we drink it, we say, I identify with you. I know that when I fail in my generosity, when I fail in my living up to your standards, when I fail in so many areas that the blood of Jesus covers it and allows us to be here every week, every day, to be in his presence. And we thank him for it. And his generosity never stops. It never stops. No matter how often we fail, no matter the things that we do wrong, the way that we mess up, when we ignore him or his statutes, any of those things, he's always there waiting for us. And communion is a way for us to just rekindle that with ourselves. So let's drink together and just tell him how we feel about it. Thank you. God, we want to be blessed. We want to partner with you wherever you go so that we, in all things, will have everything that we need and that other people will see, wow, I thank God for them. I thank God. I want to know that, God. Keep us safe as we go from this place. I thank you for who you are and what you're doing. You're an awesome God. I love you, and I thank you for this church. I thank you for every person here. Let us have a great afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.